Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Football Fandemic where we are excited to look back at the wild card weekend, look forward to the divisional round and all of the stuff going on in the coaching carousel. There's all that and more today as we talk football here on the Football Fandemic. Guys, like I said last week, this is always a really exciting time of year because it's not just the winning teams that you're paying so much attention to because there's the, you know, everybody last week who made it into the playoffs, barely made it in, whatever those storylines were. And now we have the wild card weekend stuff to look at. But you also have all those teams that were so bad that now all the head coaching stuff is changing and we're looking at what's going on with different teams and who's getting fired and uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. And so we're going to jump right into some of our news um, as we start off this segment of the football pandemic. And uh, I think some of the, the big news has to do with that coaching carousel. I'm going to start off, though, on another note, and that is I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm a Colts fan. Uh, evidently, Jim Irsay was found unresponsive in his bed last uh, month. And uh they don't know yet. There's speculation that, you know, one of the EMT people said that there was a suspected overdose because they didn't know why he was unresponsive, but it's not confirmed. And uh, it could have been he's just been dealing with this RSV and maybe, you know, he's old. Uh, in either case, you know, I don't want to get into all of the people who are like, oh, Jim Mercy's just a druggie. He has been very open with uh, his uh, struggle with uh, painkiller addictions after he had been put on painkillers and that whole thing. Uh, and I, I do believe that that's a, a, something he struggles with every day, like anybody with addiction. Um, don't know that that was anything to do with this. Might have been, might not have been. But what it does point to is the Colts are going to have to make sure they have in place, and I'm sure it already is. What's the next step for Colts ownership? And I'm sure it's, you know he has three daughters, and I know that uh, two of them are kind of seen there more often, and one of them... I think it's Kaylin is very involved. My guess yeah. is it'll go to kind of a joint thing with those girls, but Kaylin will probably take over the kind of main role uh, in that place. And uh, I think she's been kind of the understudy and, and putting herself in it. She travels with the team. She's in the locker room, you know, before I guess all the changing, <laughs> I see her in the, these, these photos and videos. She's very much part of the, the uh, interview processes and stuff. So I anticipate that'll be the case, but it's one of those things that just reminds you that, yeah, these, uh, these owners from time to time switch. And I know there's some, some fan bases like Chicago, they want the McCaskies to switch. They want it out of that family. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. But I was watching Detroit game, and they they uh, you know showed um, oh Ford. Uh, I just lost her name. Martha. Martha. Martha or my or something. Yeah. What? Uh, I'm, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it is, but they showed her, and it's just kind of neat to see those lineages of ownerships and those people mm -hmm. who have been so involved. I remember when Jimmer say was just a little boy, always in there with his dad. And he grew up kind of around that team culture and loved it. And it's the same now with Caitlin and, and her sisters. I can't remember their names. But anyway, that that was in the news. But we also have a bunch of head coach stuff happening in the news. And we're going to start, uh, not just head coaches, but GMs. We're going to start letting our good friend Josh talk about a certain commander's team that ended really badly and fired a bunch of people, let a bunch of people go. What's going on there? Well, yeah, we ended four and thirteen, and 
I expected a better season. I expected more of Sam Howell, and overall, he looked like a solid quarterback from weeks one and thirteen, one through thirteen, and then he just kind of fell off. And so now there's the question that is he the guy next year? And like I've said before, this is all up for ownership. This is all up for general management. I'm fully on board with whatever they do because I just want to see my team win, whatever is the best, basically. But within this past week, since we last recorded, um, the, the commanders did a couple interviews for player personnel and GM roles. I think maybe a combination of both. But in the end, I, we interviewed with Ian Cunningham of the Bears, which he seems they, that uh, general management overall, uh, that crew, I guess, core of general management and assistant GM and B, Ian Cunningham seemed to do, be doing a really good job with drafting and signing players in Chicago. And then we interviewed with... getting picks, huh? Yeah. And then we interviewed with Adam Peters. And of the 49ers who is I don't think he was the GM I think that was John Lynch but he was some sort of some sort of key role with the 49ers in drafting and free agency and so um I believe the right move which did happen to become the move that actually happened was to hire Adam Peters of the 49ers not only because of how much how like I guess how much of a dynasty although they haven't won much but how I guess how, how like how powerful the 49ers have become through free agency and through the draft you know they drafted or they Adam Peters was there when they traded traded with the Commanders for Trent Williams, who's turned into a future Hall of Fame left tackle. Although he was with the Commanders or the Redskins at the time, he he he's been become better with the 49ers. They drafted um, uh, Brock, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, CMC. Brendan Ayuk. They traded for CMC. All these guys that have made this, they drafted Fred Warner. All these guys that have made the team so much better in San Francisco. They hired Kyle Shanahan. I believe he Kyle hired Kyle Shanahan. That might have been John Lynch though, and he came a year later. But overall, I think the move was this was the best move the Commanders have had all all off season. And although it just started, but this is just a start, and um, I like this move more so because because of the whole minority, the art the Art Rooney rule stuff. If we hired Ian Cunningham, which he's a great he's a great assistant GM. I'm not saying that he's not, but we would have had to give a third round pick to the Bears because of the minority stuff and whatnot. We don't have to give anything to the 49ers for Adam Peters. So this is probably the best move that could have happened, and I'm looking forward to it. I was uh, telling Josh earlier this week, I was, I was super excited about this hire as the GM for uh, the commanders. He started with the 49ers in 2017 when they were uh, number two draft. Yep. Uh, they had the second pick in the draft and they had the most cap space. And he took those draft and that cap space and he began to build a really good team. And what we always say when we talk about San Francisco is, oh, yeah, Brock Purdy's good. But you know what? That whole team is so good. Mm -hmm. It'd be hard to be bad as a quarterback there. Yeah. That's what that's what Washington needs. They were not that before 2017. Uh, he came in and started making free agent uh, signings. He did drafting and he put together a really good Offensive line, defensive line, skill positions, running backs, wide receivers. You know, he just did really well. What do the commanders have? Their second pick overall this year. They have the most draft capital in the league, and they're hiring the same guy. This could be a very good uh, omen for them going forward. I, I would have so wanted him over the Bears guy. Uh, yeah, I know the I, Bears yeah. have been good at getting a lot of picks. I don't know that they've been great at picking when they pick those picks. So just because they, they've you know, Ryan right. Poles they've has done a great job of trading the first pick away and getting a haul, that's great. But you got to do something with those picks. And yeah. I think Adam Peters has proven he does stuff with his picks. And they may not all be, I mean, he's, yeah, he's got Debo Samuels. He traded for Christian McCaffrey. He, he brought, you know, he got Brock Purdy as Mr. Irrelevant, all of that. But there's a lot of names in in those line in those offensive defensive lines that you might not necessarily say, oh, this is 
a great person before they were brought in, but they look so good together. And so he, he knows what he's doing. I think he got a good one. Mm-hmm. I also like to add, cause we, you know, we're going over this whole commanders talk anyway. Um, so Ron Avera, not only the head coach, the commanders, thankfully, but I guess he's still being interviewed for diff- indifferent or maybe even talked to about different things. And yesterday he, there was a report came out, um, about him and what he, um, I guess this past season, basically. And I don't know what somebody asked him, but basically they asked him about, about Sam Howell and he responded with, this is, this is about a three or four sentences long. So I'm going to keep it short, but he says, I took a big gamble. Right. Rivera said, I put a lot on Sam. I'll put a lot on Sam Howell. And I probably shouldn't have put as much pressure on him. And I think that was probably one of the mistakes I made this year. He didn't deserve to have, have that put on him. He's a good young quarterback, has some talent and has the ability to, and has some ability. And I think that's something I should have backed off on. I should have kept emphasizing he was going to be the guy that got the first opportunity. Just phrasing it that way would have been a lot, would have taken a lot more pressure off him. I just kind of, just kind of that he didn't have been, had, wouldn't, just kind of that he wasn't anointed to the role instead of, you know, there was a competition. So, I mean, at least he's admitting it that he really screwed over Sam Howell, but along with the play calling by Eric Bieniemy, but in no way did he help, you know, Sam Howell um, develop at all. Yeah, I. Uh, so you made me think of something. This is a total tangent, but you know that's what I do. Tangents. Uh, you said something about like Sam Howe was a great quarterback up through thirteen weeks, and then he fell off. Um, I don't think he's going to be your starting quarterback going I forward. I think he's you're going to draft a different. He, like he's like, although Heineken might be better because of that whole. We'll see. Maybe you know, maybe wherever Ron Rivera gets on, they'll want to like take him with him, you know, and sign him. Mm-hmm. That that's all neither here nor there. What it made me think of was you talked about like up through week 13 and then gone. And it made me think of this little stat I saw <laughs> or I recognized this last week. And that is, did you know that if the league would have kept the the season the same length the instead Colts of adding that extra game, that. the Colts would have been in the playoffs in 21 and 23? Man, both years. Not that we would have went very far, but there's just that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see who your quarterback is next next year but i guarantee you it's not going to be sam Howell. i guess i shouldn't guarantee but i have a strong feeling strong feeling we do know that the patriots uh as josh predicted last week when i was saying man mike vrabel is is looking like something that could be for them they had already in place in his contract that he would be the successor to bill belichick mr jared mayo has been uh hired uh didn't have to really be hired because it was just in his contract already that he was the successor. Uh, they didn't have to go through the whole hiring process. He has been announced and presented as their head coach. And now the Patriots are not taking Mike Vrabel, which I said last week, Mike Vrabel is too good a coach. Uh, I can't believe the Titans let go of him. He is going to find a job, but now it's a question of where, because I really thought the Patriots were a strong contender, but if they're gone, now you got Belichick, you got Mike Vrabel, you got Pete Carroll, who might be looking, uh, and those are all names that, yeah, two of them are a little older. Mike Vrabel, to me, is the one that is most uh, kind of enticing because he's young and upcoming and doesn't look like he's falling off. I don't think Pete Carroll's really falling off a lot either, but interesting, to say the least. Patriots done. Uh, that that went really fast. And uh, so now we get to see where the rest of the coaching carousel goes. We do know um, that um, my our Jason Kelsey won't be back in Philadelphia, but we don't yet know what's going to happen with Nick Sirianni. That Actually, meeting is happening, right? You don't know about Sirianni, but Kelsey has come out on the pod, on his podcast, the um, New Heights or whatever, with him, with him and Travis, basically. Mm-hmm. And he said that... Um, 
that he has not said anything verbally that if he's retiring or not, he's going to take it over. And everybody just kind of looked, took that him crying on the field and, you know, whatnot as, and ran with it and said, he's, this is his last game. Didn't he I say it in the locker room after the game? I'm not sure, but uh, he says on the, on the, um, on the, the podcast that they have that this is a, that he's not decided yet. Really? Cause I, you know, aside from the crying, I thought he announced it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was put out by some big names that he actually confirmed and announced. So maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, I thought Jason Kelsey, he, he probably, yeah, he's like 35 yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, we may have to look because I, I feel like Adam Schefter or Rappaport, one of them said uh, he has confirmed. The NFL, like the NFL um, Twitter, or which my Twitter handle also said that they did. Well, well I mean, they, I don't know. So right now, who want me to look at this? Yeah, right? I, I, I've seen this move before. We've all know, we all know the Brett Favre story. We all know the Tom Brady story. <laughs> We've seen this move before. Okay. <laughs> they retire. And then what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh Mike McCarthy. Now here's a big one. Last week, last week I was pretty convinced that Mike Mathar- Mike McCarthy if he lost, if he ended up losing, uh, I I I was wondering even if he won one game but didn't win two. But if he lost the first game, I was pretty sure Mike McCarthy was done. That Jerry Jones, you know, there was like all this speculation that Jerry Jones really liked Bill Belichick and all this, and it wasn't just me. It was the national media all over. People like, yeah, uh, this is something to watch. Lo and behold, Mike McCarthy keeps his job. Jerry Jones comes out and says, man, he has a great regular season record. You know, we got to work on that postseason, but he put us where we need to be and we're sticking with him. I guarantee it's for one more year. And it's a very much Mike McCarthy. If you don't do better next year, you're flat out. But like, it's just an odd sort of it's an odd sort of extension for me because I feel like it probably should be done. I, I feel like I called this one as well. I, I had said in Jerry world, you have a little bit more job security historically. I mean, yeah. look how long Jason, Jason Garrett. Garrett. I, <laughs> oh my gosh. That guy, he got out of his coaching position, went and went to be the OC for the giants. Is that right, Josh? And then was out of there pretty so. quick. And now he's doing side. Here's the thing. Jason Garrett had done better with the Cowboys than Mike McCarthy has. Mm-hmm. And Mike McCarthy's still here, but you're right. Jerry world. He gives him a long, long leash, but you know, that has to frustrate Texans, Texas fans, Dallas fans so much because the you know, we're, we're going to have like a great year and then we're going to get to the first round of the playoffs and be done. And so mm-hmm. even if you go, you know, 16 home wins in a row in your own place, even if you win 12 games during the year, you can't feel comfortable with this team, with this coach, because as yeah. we're going to talk about that game was crazy. We'll get to that in a minute, mm-hmm. but Mike McCarthy, he's still with the coat, uh, still with the Cowboys, not with the Colts. Thank goodness. He is with the <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> And uh, I, I don't know that I would have expected that at all. I was kind of looking at that as this is going to be one of those coaching vacancies. Uh, I probably need to like make a list and see exactly where we still have coaching vacancies because I haven't done that this morning. Uh, we do. Now, somebody put on our, our script here that RG3 and Jay Gruden have a beef. I have yeah. absolutely no idea what this is this. about. Brandon, you know about this? 
I did not. I'm going to let you fill us in, Josh. Okay. So um, the, during the, the, the Philadelphia, Jay Gruden, former coach of the Redskins, former offense coordinator for a couple other teams. Um, it's a long, it's a, it's hard to like, um, I guess, go through because RG3 didn't respond to these. You kind of quote, I guess he responded to them. He didn't respond to the, the, the post. He quoted the post and what and kept going and whatnot. But basically what started out with, was um, Jay Gruden, I have to find it because I just pulled up RG3, one second. Jay Gruden tweeted out uh, something along the lines of, well, uh, he also has beef with Brian Mitchell, who was a former, he was a really great kick returner in the 90s, former Redskin. But he, Jay Gruden tweeted out, if I ever put a quarterback through what Philly is putting Jalen through, I apologize. Pick up a blitz. And then, Brian, where'd Brian Mitchell go? Um, Brian Mitchell says, <laughs> are you serious, dude? Please just, please just disappear. And Jay Gruden responds with, I are a punt returner. Be quiet. I know. I know he meant you, but there's so basically there. Brian Brian Mitchell, who is one of the, the the reporters, I guess, with JP Finley, who's also a reporter for the Commanders, is arguing with Jay Gruden. But RG three took it a step further a little bit, and he he tweets so much. I gotta find it. Um, but he said, basically said. Uh, so he he responded with a photo and said, "Say what?" And then Jay Gruden responded to this saying. You weren't prepared, Robert. And RJ responded to that, saying, "You weren't. You told me you didn't know how to coach a QB who could. You told me, yeah, you told me you didn't know how to coach a quarterback who could throw and run. So it looks like you weren't prepared." And then he responds with, um, "We had a, basically saying we have we had an excellent staff around us. Jay Gruden does, and I mean it, it's a fact they did. They had you know Sean McVay, um, Mike McDaniel's, uh, my um, Kyle Shanahan. So they had a really good staff around and prepare for RJ three. And honestly, the in the subreddit of the Commanders." Um, I guess world on Reddit is that a lot of people are, I guess, siding with Jay Gruden. It's not siding with what he did, what he did, but overall siding that RG3 was everybody was figuring out RG3's way. You know, Colin Kaepernick, once they figured out Colin Kaepernick, which had the same model of RG3, you know, the running and the RPO stuff, once they figured that out, he was that Colin Kaepernick wasn't the same. They were going to figure out RG3 at some point. And if he goes to Baltimore and doesn't succeed, and then Cleveland doesn't succeed, then you know something's wrong with RG3 and that. This staff wasn't going to do anything to help him because they couldn't because he was not willing to you know do anything to improve himself. So if you're a Commanders fan, you're big in on what's going on with this beef. I mean, I think it's, I think it's for, over. As but... for me, I kind of always expected that RG three was like a little more hyped up than he would be. He did he did look good his first year, but that was when we took Andrew Luck, and I was always right. happy and we then, took yeah. Andrew Luck. Always. So sorry, RG three. Uh, coaching keeps. Let's talk just a few minutes about some of the places that we we already talked about Mike McCarthy. That was probably one of the bigger surprises for me personally, not for Brandon, who knows about that long leash that Jerry Jones has. But what other places have we have we seen that they have decided and kind of said we are staying with our coach? We know New Orleans, right? Chicago, uh, Chicago, Eberflus. By the way, someone. Uh, and so we, we, we just commented that we don't know yet what's happening with Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, right? But uh, somebody in the Colts chat somewhere at one point made a little uh, uh, post that I laughed at. And it was like, uh, back in this year, I think it was uh, the year 2020 when uh, Philip Rivers was with us. How in the world did we make the playoffs with Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, and Eberflus? What a coaching mess. <laughs> and you look at where those guys have gone. Frank Reich has looked really bad. Uh, ending with the Colts and then just, uh, you know, being fired halfway through his first year with Bryce Young. Nick Sirianni's fallen off. Ibra Flus hasn't looked great. And 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Eberflus kept his job. I'm, I'm very surprised. I have a brother-in-law who said, yeah, Eberflus really. will keep his I job. Mean, and I'm like, why do you think that? He said, because it's McCaskies. They know that they can uh, save money by not having to buy out his contract and they don't care what the fans think. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. So somehow he held on uh, and everybody on the offensive side got fired, but I don't think he's their, I don't think he's their savior. Like everybody thinks I liked him in Indy. Don't get me wrong. Eberflus did well, but I don't think he's a head coach right now. Nick Sirianni got his team to the playoffs several times into the Super Bowl or yeah, to the Super Bowl. And yet he may be let go. We don't know. They're still having that conversation. What do you guys think? Yes or no? I think Eberflus stays. Say that again. I think he stays. I do too. I, I think it depends on the the talks they have this week. Now that they're out of the playoffs and they can focus on on postseason or off season, uh, they can't focus on postseason anymore. They're already out. Uh, right. But now that they're in the off season, another mock up I saw was Bill Belichick to the Eagles, which I don't think Bill really fits the the Philly vibe to me. He doesn't pass that check. He's no. you know not quite that aggressive. Um, yeah. but it is, it is an interesting mock-up, but I don't know who else that would bring in that can one-up yeah. Sirianni right now. Yeah, I don't know. But I think the reason he does stay is because if you look at it from a team's perspective, perspective they did bad. If you look at it from an offense perspective, offensive perspective, they did okay, except the playoff game. They did all right. You know, they put up points. They lost by, you know, they lost close, a close game to Seattle. They lost a close game to the Giants. And then they barely beat the Giants. So they're putting up numbers. But if you look at it from a defense perspective, ever since um, uh, Sirianni gave the reins to Matt Patricia um, instead of whoever their defense coordinator was, it's all been downhill. So if you find I would agree with that 100%. Matt Patricia has never looked good outside of New England. He's like a Josh McDaniels. Yeah. It's like they're they're great looking at New England. I can't think of another another coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, or whatnot, that has looked good outside of New England. I mean, either Bill Belichick wasn't there. But that has looked good outside New England, except for Pete Carroll. Wait, Pete Carroll was uh, a Bill Belichick guy? Like, no, I mean, he Mike Vrabel. No, I guess, yeah, Mike Vrabel too, I guess. But I was saying Pete Carroll as a head coach, transferring head coach to head coach, instead of offensive coordinator to you know head coach. Like mm-hmm. Bill Bel- or Pete Carroll is before Bill Belichick, but I haven't seen a pe- Patriots head coach succeed outside of, of uh, New England, except for Pete Carroll and Mike Vrabel. Yeah, Mike Vrabel's definitely been the most uh, mm-hmm. uh, successful coach outside of New England, and uh, of, of all those people, you know, Bill O'Brien and um, Josh McDaniels, and who else? Uh, we just talked about Matt Patricia. He was a head coach who was horrible. Was he with Detroit me. or was that Jets or who was he with? Who was, he was it? Detroit, right? Oh, Matt Patricia, yeah, yeah. And I mean, look at the now, coaching tree. I'm gonna. I just want to see what the coaching tree of Bill Belichick looks like because. And interested. I don't know. So Nick Saban's successful, I guess. He was with him in, in Cleveland. Um, yeah, but Nick Saban's. That's college. College. Yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't the coaching tree, the, the famous coaching tree, I guess, if you want to call it. Joe Judge was a, uh, he's back with New England, but he was a Giants coach. Terrible. Al Groh, he did okay. Josh McDaniels, Who? Al Groh for the Jets back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Okay. Um, Josh Mike McDaniels? McDaniels? No, oh, Josh. Josh. I was going to say Mike wasn't with yeah. him. Yeah. Terrible. Matt Patricia, terrible. Nick Saban, better college coach, not that great offense. He was uh, terrible in yeah. NFL. Bill O'Brien, not that great. He's better not than great. a lot of the guys we named, but not that great. Eric Mangini, um, Jets coach back in the late 2000s, 
he's all right. I mean, he's okay. Um, Romeo Cornell, what Chiefs coach back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, not that great, but okay. Uh, Jim Schwartz, uh, former Lions coach, I think he's a, currently was until Pat Patricia took over, was the defensive coordinator for the uh, the Eagles. You know, not that great. And then Brian Flores, not that great. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Who else has kept a coach? Um, Can you think of anybody? Let's go. Maybe look at the NFL teams real quick, and I'll let you. In. Well, a lot of the teams kept a coach because I'm just kidding, but um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of them we expected would keep their yeah, coach because they um, liked Indy kept Shane Steichen, obviously. But like ones that we weren't sure of, ones we thought could fire a coach, could keep their coach. We know New Orleans was one of those that was a question mark. They kept, what's his name? Um, Dennis Allen. They fired a lot of, Dennis oh, you, did you guys see that press, recon, press conference or whatever that, I don't know if it's Mike Tom Collins? Benson anymore. No, Tom Benson. Todd Tomlin is, yes, he's getting kept. Um, he's, yeah. It's a good one, Mike Tomlin. Yep. Uh, but, he would um, get snatched up right away if he was on the market. Yeah, as definitely. They're also looking, they, he's, they did an interview with him, Mike Tomlin today or whatever, press conference or whatever. And Mike Tomlin said they're going to look for an outside, an outside guy, basically, not an internal guy for offensive coordinator position. And that they're going to bring in some competition for to Kenny Pickett. And I read a report that um, the fans, not the fans, sorry, the teammates of Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph are fully in on Mason, not like for a starter, but they support Mason Rudolph more than Kenny Pickett, basically. What about Mitch? Pickett's hands are too little. I don't know about Mitch. He's a Mitch is a pro bowler. Mitch Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, back to the Saints. The the GM or the um yeah Saints GM decides to retain um, head coach, and his reason behind well, not really his reason but he says Bill Belichick in his first three years 10, 6, 10, 6 and ten seven and nine seven and nine Tom Landry zero and eleven four nine five and eight four and ten five and eight Hall of Fame coaches all of them Bill Walsh two and fourteen second year six and ten. And so he's basically saying that these guys are take he's this guys take time and he's basically comparing Dennis Allen, who is a mediocre coach, to, to Hall of Fame coaches. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think he's trying to say we're gonna give him the time because we process, think he basically. could grow. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I forgot about Mike Tomlin as a is a pretty big keep um, because that was a question. And it was more a question of would Mike Tomlin decide to leave? Uh, but he decided to stay uh, his press conference where they're like, tell us about your next year. And he just turns around and walks away. <laughs> not, not so much as of recent, but during the, uh, the middle and end of the season, Sean McVay was on the chopping block. Wow. Yeah. They ended up doing, they ended well. up pulling it out at the last second, but I, I don't know. Cause a couple of years ago, there was also talks about him retiring. Well, when he right. won the there Super Bowl, yeah. I thought he would be like, I'm out, but he said, no, I'm coming back. And then they had like a pretty bad year. And he said, I'm coming back again. Right. And then they had a decent year this year. Yeah. 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 So some, some big keeps, uh, we'll keep our eye because obviously the coaching carousel is just winding up and there's a lot of places where we're still waiting to see what coaches are going where, uh, what's this next one? A trade with Chicago. Talk about that. Brandon. Yeah, Brandon talk about that. So this one, I saw on Twitter, which could be interesting, there's been a lot of talks about what Chicago is going to be doing this draft. Mm -hmm. And of course, none of them are actually from Chicago. It's all speculation from the media. So right. that's where we're getting our information from is speculation. <clears throat> there's been a lot of mock-ups of Justin Fields being traded to Atlanta and the Bears okay. getting, uh, what's his face out of Southern California? Uh, Caleb Williams. Caleb, yeah. 
And so, which sounds like a, a legitimate thing that they could do. I know the Bears fans want Justin Fields. The management are probably looking at it like, you know, Justin really hasn't amounted to much for us. He's also more injury prone given his ability to run, you know, what's going to be our best long-term solution is what the organization is thinking, which right now looks like they're probably going to draft Caleb Williams and get rid of Justin Fields. Justin Fields has been mocked up to Atlanta for a long time. And if if Atlanta sent their first round pick to Chicago for Justin Fields, a straight up one-on-one trade, usually that's not how it would go down. There'll be a few more things in there, but if that was uh, um, the idea, Chicago would go into the draft with pick number one, which they got from their trade in Carolina last year. Pick number eight, which they would have just acquired from Atlanta this year. And pick number nine, which is their pick right now. And so Chicago having three top 10 picks going into the draft, Bears fans would be ecstatic. Now, what oh, yeah. they've been able to do in the draft as of recent has not looked <laughs> not looked uh, stellar. So uh, I'm not sure if Chicago would hit on all three of those picks. Uh, they might look good for a season or two and might go undeveloped, to be honest, and mm-hmm. end up falling off and going to another organization. But uh, that's something to watch out for is Chicago could be looking to make that that big move right there. First of all, I don't think Justin Fields will be traded for the number eighth overall pick. (laughs) I think it'll be something lower than that if he gets traded. Um, I do think there are a good number of Bears fans who like Fields and a good number who want to see him out. Uh, So it's I think it's pretty divided in that fan base. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think anybody knows what they're going to do. I don't. I think they're still waiting to see what kind of market they get for fields, uh, what kind of market they get for people wanting to trade. Because I did hear Caleb Williams, or at least at some point, said, I don't want to play for the Texans. <laughs> and so, I mean, the Texans, the, the Bears. So they would need to trade. They would need to assure me they're going to trade that pick before I declare for the draft. But then he went ahead and declared for the draft. So that's all talk. He doesn't really have that control. I know. Everybody goes back to, oh, Eli Manning. Yeah, I know. I know that happened once. Um, But that doesn't mean that everybody who just says, I don't want to play for this team, ends up getting that wish. Uh, I don't know that Bryce Young really wanted to play for the Carolina Panthers, but there he is, (laughs) you know. And there is something about going that first overall. Yeah, and I know Caleb Williams before, I mean, during this past season when he was being mocked up as – the greatest quarterback prospect of all time from college, which happens every season. It's not true. Okay. Right. Uh, He was wanting partial ownership as part of his rookie contract of the team that drafted him. Ridiculous. That's just not going to happen. (laughs) Here's my favorite argument. Everybody in the NFL or all these people saying, well, why would Caleb Williams even want to go to the draft? Because he's making this much money on his NIL, you know, the name uh, image likeness, whatever you can make as a college player now. But here's the the problem with that. You're not going to stay eligible in college for your whole life. So let's say you're making $6 million a year. Well, big deal. You got a few years of that. If you don't get in the NFL and like prove that you are something, you're done. And so of course they're going to go to the NFL. They're not going to be just like, I'm staying in college forever. Yeah. 
the trend of the NFL right now is whoever's younger is starting because that's right. going to give them more longevity. And yeah. so and if, if you, you decide to in, sit out, uh, like stay in college and not go in yeah. and possibly get hurt and then, you know, you're just making the chances that you're going to have a long career less and less if you decide to stick with your NIL. That's ridiculous. Yeah, some of these rookie contracts these past few seasons for first overall top 10 quarterback picks have been pretty substantial. I mean, you're looking yeah. $20, 30000000 million. Right. And so. And it yeah. only gets bigger if you're good and get an extension, right? As we've and, seen these $50 million contracts per year, $50 million per year for Burrow and for yeah. uh, just uh, Justin Herbert and Patrick they're Mahomes. They're all guaranteed as well. Yeah. And you so, can still get sponsorships in the NFL. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's not a rule against that. So Caleb, you're not getting partial ownership of your team. You're not going to stay for your NIL. You are going to go to whoever drafts you first overall, even if it's the Bears. So just relax. If you're you're listening to our podcast right now, relax. You're going to get beat by the Packers. Okay. (laughs) Over over and over (laughs) again. And every time you do, Brandon will absorb some energy from the people around him who are (laughs) so upset. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Surprise breaking news. So this kid just came out. Jonathan Jones, who is a well-known, I'm not, I guess I wouldn't say well-known, but he's a, he's a following basically. He's a lead NFL insider for NFL NBC. Just tweeted out, um, a little bit ago. Um, it says Sunday at 7:24 AM, but I don't know if that's correlated to our time zone. Oh yeah. It is four hours ago, but he tweeted out the morning, edge of my seat. What is this um, news? It's not really something you'd probably be excited for, but Reba Metcalf, Reba McIntyre, Reba, basically, I can't really pronounce her last name, but Reba will be singing the national anthem for the Super Bowl, and then uh, Post Malone will be singing America the Beautiful for the Super Bowl, um, I guess, after that. And then Andre, I only know those two, and then Andre Day, who I do not know, will sing Lift Every Voice and Sing before the, before the Super Bowl starts. Okay, yeah, you're, you're right. I was not as excited as I thought I was going to be about that. I just Reba McIntyre and Post Malone and whoever the other guy Andre, is, yeah, probably very Swift. famous, not Taylor not Swift. Taylor Swift. All right. But I don't know if you've heard. Taylor Swift had a custom jacket made. I mean, if you hadn't heard somewhere, it's it's true. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's everywhere. I'm like, who cares? And it was it was by Kyle Yuschek's wife. Yep. I think. And and because he has been so adamant about talking about it, she is like plum like booked up with orders right now. Mm-hmm. So good for her. He did this or she did the same for uh, Simone Biles before Taylor Swift. Yeah. Jacket right. maker for of the stars, right? <laughs> I know I've got mine on order. What? <laughs> Matthew of the football pandemic also got one. Okay, right. no, I don't. I couldn't afford one, guys. Most yeah, likely. Me, neither could us. Yeah, we're all in the same. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and review Wild Card Weekend. Wild Card Weekend was a wild weekend, was it not? Down goes the end. Super duper. Well, lead us through each game, Brandon. We'll all talk about them. Well, let's start uh, in the order in which the games happened. So let's start uh, Joe Flacco coming down to Houston. Not a great game for the Browns, if I'm being honest. Uh, Not at all. But boy, did those Texans look good. Yes, CJ Stroud coming out as if it was just another regular game. Playing his heart out. Looking really Really, really good. I just want to say this. When they beat Indy, they looked good. Indy looked bad. 
giving away that 75-yard touchdown on the, the very first play that the Texans got out there on offense. But with all of that, uh, the Colts were driving down the field and like one yard shy of like continuing on to that touchdown that would have beat them. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, they looked they looked good, but it was as much the Colts looking bad as anything. It wasn't like our defense was doing what our defense usually does. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, that's partially because of what the Texans were doing, but it's partially because of what the Colts were doing. So I didn't think, I thought the first game Texans are going to come back to earth and the Browns are going to be a better defense than Indy was, but boy, was I wrong. Uh, the Browns looked inept every phase of the game and the Texans looked really good. And I was so excited to have this game be won by the Browns because I like the Joe Flacco story. And I, what I really wanted was Joe Flacco to return to Baltimore Mm. and and play. And someone asked me, you know, how is, you know, how is Joe Flacco still able to keep up with these defenses? People forget the people he practiced against was Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every day he'd have to go against them in practice. And if that doesn't prepare you like for five years NFL, yeah. nothing else will. Even mm-hmm. even then it prepares them more because whenever Ray Lewis and Terrell Sucks were playing, even Ed Reed, they were all hard hitters. There was no yeah. limitations. Oh yeah. And they would smash everybody. But now you have to be, you know, soft and make sure you don't hit the ground too hard or land on the quarterback or whatnot. So these guys would come out and come out and pummeling him, you know, picking him up like a WWE style and throw him to the ground or you know, if they really wanted to. And yeah. These guys are trying now. Nowadays, these are the guys are trying to like you know make sure they don't hit him too hard or hit his helmet too hard so they don't get a penalty or whatnot. Although in yeah. practice, my guess is he was red shirted and they yeah, basically had to just touch him. Yeah. <laughs> a, a place he wouldn't have been red shirted is twice a year playing Troy Potamalu. Yeah, <laughs> true. And so those are uh, those are things that prepare you for today's NFL is is some of these people, and he had been showing that these you know, at the end of the regular season, not so much in the postseason. Uh, so what do you think happened in this game? Defense took over. Texans defense took over. Mm-hmm. They, they just didn't have any answers for overcoming yeah. the, the defense. Which I was really surprised. I think I as much it. as the Texans defense, I think it was the Texans offense beating that Browns Texans, defense yeah. because ex- the Browns yeah. didn't seem able to stop. CJ Stroud at all. And that's Miles Garrett and crew, and they have been like strong all year, but they didn't they did yeah. not look it. That was a top five defense this season. Yeah. And did nothing. Yeah. That's right. So I got a lot of people who have been uh making a comparison between CJ Stroud and another young quarterback. We're not gonna talk about it just yet, because we are gonna talk about it a little later here. Well, we are gonna weekend. talk about a, a young quarterback who froze up in Kansas City. We got dolphins coming to town. And losing seven to twenty six in one of the colder games we had this weekend, we had two yeah. two uh, pretty cold games. One of them had some elements to to include in there. They got moved from Sunday to Monday. Uh, well, but- I guess both of them had to deal with it. We had the the cracked, brittle, cracked helmet of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That's right. We also had. Uh, I forget, like something like seven people had to go for hypothermia and four or five had to go for frostbite. And there's people suing Kansas City for them having to deal with the elements. Is that not crazy? That's crazy. As a fan, you choose to go to the game when you know the temperature, wearing whatever you wore, and you're suing the team because you got cold. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 
This is also, I believe, this is the third with real field windshield. This is also the third coldest game in NFL history. Maybe only playoff yeah. game, but I believe it is actually no. the third coldest NFL game in NFL history. Yeah, it was. Was the Ice Bowl a playoff game, or was yes, it one? That's the coldest. I believe yeah. it's that, and then that playoff championship game. I don't know if it's divisional championship, but that playoff game between the Bengals and the Chargers in the eighties. That was it was in Cincinnati. It was completely frozen over, just like the Ice Bowl. Um, and then and then it's this one. I'll look at the NFL coldest game. Yeah, but right those now. with the the negative fifty nine wind chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, much colder yep. than this negative thirty wind chill. So you know, yeah. this so it was. Yep, I was right. Lambeau Field negative forty eight degrees with wind chill. Cowboys, Packers, um, NFL Championship Ice Bowl. Um, number two was Riverfront Stadium. Um, interesting. So the wind chill at so by by degrees negative thirteen degrees um, at for the number one Lambeau Field game for the Packers the Ice Bowl. Number two, nine, negative nine degrees, AFC Championship game at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, San Diego Chargers versus Bengals, with a negative 59-degree wind chill. And then number three, yeah. hasn't been updated yet, but it is the um, is the Chiefs game. And then number four is the Blair Walsh game where he missed the kick. It was a negative 25-degree wind chill. And then negative, or, and then number, number five, sorry, now number five, um, Packers-Vikings in uh, in Minnesota, whenever they actually had a, actually, yeah, when they had a dome, when they didn't have a dome, um, negative 18 degrees, zero degrees, negative 18 degree wind chill and zero degrees total or without yeah. a wind chill. Yeah. That wind chill that, uh, that Bengals game, I think was the coldest wind chill, but the coldest mm-hmm. actual temperature yeah. was the, the ice bowl. Uh, but yeah, those, that's just crazy to think you know about players out there in negative 59 wind chill. You no, know it's crazy about all four of those or yeah, all four of those actually or all five of those now, actually. Um, all five of those occurred in the Midwest and all Midwesterners. I know Brandon knows this cause he's a Midwestern. He was a Midwestern. We're Midwesterners. All Midwesterners say, well, if it wasn't for the wind, that's right. That's right. So, all right. Well, speaking of the ice bowl, we had, uh, that matchup happen again and not so cold of a temperature. It was like 30 degrees, but it was inside a dome. Packers go to Dallas. The first seventh seed in NFL history mm-hmm. to that. win a playoff game. Uh, and Matthew was thinking about it. He's like, what, what do you mean? That's never happened. Well, it's because it's been three years. This is the fourth season mm-hmm. that has happened. It started in the, I, I was with you. I was with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, Packers did it. Uh, Steelers, not so much. We'll talk about them later. Uh, but right. talk about a show out performance from Matt LaFleur in this team. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I went in. And if I'm just being honest, I'm like, okay, it was fun. We made the playoffs. We beat the Bears. Woohoo. Uh, all right, let's just go lose to Dallas and, and you know, start our offseason process. Well, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and Here's I'm happy it was. A few weeks ago, you were going down the roller coaster and you went into the concrete. You busted through the ground down somewhere in the earth's crust. But then you shot up out of there like Superman because you guys Mm -hmm. are back on top. Oh my gosh. Everyone is, is living so high right now in green Bay. And uh, this, this next week is really going to challenge us, but Jordan love and CJ Stroud, two of the young quarterbacks in the league uh, had the exact same amount. Yeah. Even and pass completions. We were within two passing yards. Yep. I think uh, CJ Stroud had two. I think it was pass, I think it was attempts, not yards. I think they had exact same yards and same uh, passer rating, but the yard, the uh, completion versus attempts or whatnot was two off. 
I'll let you look it up, Josh. I think yeah, it, I was thought it was yards. yards. It was too off. Might have been, like, I don't know. I'll look it up. Um, completion and attempts were exactly the same. The passer rating blood. exactly the same. And the touchdowns exactly the same. Isn't that crazy? It yeah. was just so comparable down the line. Yeah. I thought that they said, oh, so-and-so went in and had a perfect passer rating, which is the 158.3, but both of them came out at like 157.9 yeah. or something. Maybe that's because you kneel down at the end. Yeah, so Jordan Love had a perfect passer rating when we sent Sean Clifford in, our backup quarterback, who now has more playoff snaps than Justin Fields. Fun fact. <laughs> um, it was yards. It was yeah. It was two yards. Yeah, yeah. it was two seventy two, two seventy four. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's so not like sure. we know or anything. No, <laughs> was no, it exactly no. this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the Packers, uh, you know, put the backups in, called it good. Dallas came back and and scored, and we're like, oh, let's put him back in, and and Jordan had a a, a missed pass at the very end that took him from a perfect passer rating to an almost perfect. Should have left rating. him left him out, huh? Yeah, I, that would have been uh, one of the best quarterback games in NFL history mm-hmm. for postseason with a perfect I mean, passer. It, it still was. <laughs> it, it still was. Yeah, still. You there, go there. in as the seventh seed against the two seed, who's won twelve games and won their last sixteen at home. You're in their home, and you're putting in your backups <laughs> at the end of the game. That's a good playoff yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and people people look at it. They're like, it was forty eight thirty two. What are you talking about? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> the, the Cowboys got sixteen garbage time points. It was forty eight sixteen. I mean, that's essentially yep. when everyone knew. Okay, this is it. The, it's not going to happen yeah. again. And Kyle Shanahan came up and gave a press conference the next day after the game. Uh-huh. And he said, yeah, I, I was watching the game. All of us kind of were, and we were, you know, taking notes on who we might be playing next week. And <laughs> we got to the second quarter of the Packers game. And he's like, I'm, I'm starting to cross out some of these other teams. And I'm, we I'm started preparing Green Bay. <laughs> and then they got their first touchdown in the third quarter. And I crossed off every other team and I'm fully focused on the Packers coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, we, we've already started preparing for the Packers. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yep. In the third quarter of the game. And so that, that was fun. That's, always a chess match to watch uh kyle shanahan matt lafleur mm-hmm. uh former redskins yep in there uh yep. You, yeah the former the redskin bowl right now this week yep so uh it, it'll be fun uh i don't have don't have high hopes again uh i'm still very 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 burned from the last multiple times we've played in the, in the i was playoffs. gonna say if there is a kryptonite team for the packers it's the 49ers and it's always you guys get to this same you know the same place yeah. and it's the 49ers standing there that is painful. And it's the same thing how the Packers are the kryptonite for the Cowboys. Yeah. Every postseason. It's the exact same thing. And uh Cowboys fans <laughs> hate it. Packers fans hate having to go to San Francisco and play, but we'll do it. I'm confident Jordan Love will look poised in the pocket like he has been under pre- under heavy pressure this past ever since Thanksgiving, really. Uh, and so I know Matt LaFleur is going to be doing his best to dial up the best game plan and the team's going to be listening to him. So I'm excited. One thing, and I know everybody's heard so much about the Packers since that game against Dallas. Um, but, and I know you've all heard this, it is uh, interesting to me how much now people are saying, 
Oh yeah, Matt LaFleur says when you when you don't have to like cater to the quarterback or to a Devontae Adams, to like a number one receiver. You don't have to like make sure to get this guy the ball. When you don't have to cater a lot, you can just run the system and you can throw it wherever you need to. Uh, because both the quarterback and the receivers, none of them are such stars. Mm-hmm. It made a difference. And yeah, yeah. It, it's true what people said. There was a point in the season where Jordan Love was not playing well. Week seven. But he Week has one. adjusted on the fly and he is looking good. And it's it's not just that like he got lucky. He's looking good. Mm-hmm. Same with CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's looked good and had some hard bumps through the season, but he is right now, there's just no two ways to say it. He He's doing what he needs to do as a quarterback. Same with Jordan Love. They're both two young quarterbacks that I'm excited about, and they're not even on my team. As a matter of fact, one of them is in my division against yeah. me, and I still find myself excited for him. <laughs> I've got to calm down next year because not I want long. Anthony, Anthony Richardson right. to come back and give him a hard time. But for now, I'm, I'm liking CJ Stroud. I'm liking... Uh, Jordan Love. All right. Well, let's you could talk say, about. You could say I'm loving. You're in love. Jordan Love. Right. Uh, let's talk about probably the most talked about playoff game going into it. I'm talking Rams in Detroit. And I thought you were going to go, gonna go, gonna go to Bills and Steelers, about. actually. Oh, no. Ra- uh, Rams well, Detroit yeah, but I feel for like me the, was the, way bigger. Bigger, but I would feel like more talked about is the weather because like, Oh yeah, you're gonna cancel this game, but you're gonna let them play in the chance of Kansas City. You know, you what are you doing? These are stupid. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I thought you meant by talk about like you know, the weather stuff. You know, it, um, well, I'll get to this when we get to that game, but I have something to say about that. Yeah, when the when the media goes out, not the media, when the lions come out and say, Do not wear a lions jersey that has the number nine on it. <laughs> that is a big statement. And man, this game was the closest game we had. That was a one-point game. Yeah, the rest were blowouts. Lions coming out. And, yeah. uh, oh, my gosh, I couldn't have asked for a better game. Both uh, quarterbacks were first overall picks by the opposite team. Yep. And <laughs> it just kind of What's thrown even away to go better do something is else. Not part of the trade, of course, but Brad Holmes was with the Rams whenever they're drafting Jared Goff, and then they, the Rams, the Lions, sorry, signed him or, you know, gave him a contract to be their GM and – brought Jared Goff with him and believed in him. And here they are now. Yeah. And so it also Dan Campbell completely changing the culture. I'm still on, on board for Dan Campbell coach of the year. It just, it's going to be, it's going to be tough between him and D'Amico because I can see people saying, man, the Texans were so completely bad last year Mm -hmm. and now they're where they're at. That could be the thing that keeps Dan Campbell, but man, Dan Campbell, I'm with you. Dan Campbell is just love. So bad for, decades it's not even True. just last year it's it's an this is not just shift. <laughs> this is not coach of the year this is coach of the uh, of the 30 years yeah <laughs> or co- whatever coach it is of the nfl history right there dan yeah. campbell <laughs> just what he's been able to do and coming out to host a playoff game and win it that's that's it it's right there and yeah what he what he did taking over and not having success the next year, having a little bit more success. And then this year winning a playoff game at home. And we got to be amongst the first to text about it is, is is enough for me, for him. And I love D'Amico Ryans. I think he was a fantastic hire. Um, And similarly, both of them had 
played for their teams that they're coaching now. They were right. players right. uh, during some of their down seasons. You know, uh, Dan Campbell was a middle linebacker when they went zero and sixteen, and he remembers that. No, D'Amico Ryan was the linebacker. Dan Campbell was the tight end. Oh, that's right. That's right. And you uh, want to know something I, that I think is funny? Detroit Lions posted a tweet, uh, and it was the uh, pregame selection, and everybody had picked uh, L.A. to win. Everybody on the panel, and they mm-hmm. they said, uh, "Come on!" Uh, uh, I just lost his name. The quarterback of the zero and sixteen. Uh, Orlovsky. A lot. Dan Orlovsky. They said, "Come on, Dan." <laughs> <laughs> Dan had picked LA. They're like, come on, Dan. That was a great tweet. Yeah. So uh very happy for, for Detroit. I mean, that was that was huge. Uh let's go to the game that Josh thought was talked about the most. Uh only due to the snow. This is yeah. Steelers going to Buffalo. There was a ton of snow. Buffalo took a page out of Green Bay's book and said, Fans, we're gonna pay you twenty bucks an hour to shovel the stadium. And guess who showed up? The fan. And, <laughs> the uh, fan with no shirt on sliding down the... That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, jo- Josh Allen just went absolute bonkers to get to where he's going to be this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. facing the Chiefs yet again. Uh, familiar but, sight. But this time in Buffalo. Yes, at yeah. home. This is the so, first road divisional game, or either road divisional or road game Patrick Mahomes has ever played in. I hope, hope, hope that the the Chiefs lose. Me too. <laughs> Matthew, your your beef is Patrick Mahomes. It's not Andy Reid. We like Andy Reid. Right. Andy Mahomes. Reid's Andy Reid's fine. Cool. Yeah. But uh, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and the I family. love Travis Kelsey on my fantasy team, but like when it's just the personality, they're both a little bit conceited to me. Uh, and are you and, a Swifty as well? No. Is your daughter a Swifty? No. Nobody Sorry. I know is a Swifty. Well, maybe they are, but I don't know yeah, about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, Steelers, Steelers going out. We talked about Mike Collins, Mike Tomlin's postgame press conference. Hey Mike, you got a year left on your contract. Walks out instantly. Walks there's <laughs> there's nothing else. Here's here's why I'll, why I say that game was not as talked about. Okay, so it was for the snow. Uh, but I did love on the Pat McAfee, they're like, uh, they're building a new stadium and they're going to put, they're not going to put a roof on this. They're just going to leave it open. You guys say you want the elements, but you move it every year, you know, and the the guy who was their beat reporter said, well, there's going to be like kind of a canopy over the, the seating area some, but um, it's not the snow. Um, it was the cold weather. And a year ago, or maybe it was a couple years ago, uh, he could barely get to the game uh, and there were 50 people who died because fans would come out anyway. When 50 people who died that year because their car got stuck and they had nowhere to go and they were in their cars and died. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I totally uh, agree. It has nothing to do with is there a dome or is there not a dome? It has to do with people coming, people trying to get there, not able to get there. Why that game was canceled had nothing to do with the dome. Even if they had a dome, that game would have been canceled for that very reason. You couldn't get to the stadium or out of the stadium. And so uh, I'm glad that he pointed that out, that it wasn't a dome issue. And even if there was no, even if there was a dome, that would have happened. Uh, But yeah, we all knew the Pat or the Steelers, uh, had lost their their big defensive player and, and 
What's that? Yeah, TJ Watt. Watt. And that that game was probably not going to be super close. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, our final super duper wildcard weekend game, which I think surprised some people, but not so much given on how the Eagles were playing. The Buccaneers came out and stomped. <laughs> and yeah. I mean stomped the Eagles. 32 to 9. Oh my gosh. I and thought... I thought the Eagles were going to somehow show up. I first of all, I again, I just have a hard time believing Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to continue going on. I, I feel like I this week <laughs> may they yeah. may not, uh, but I felt like that last week. I thought the Eagles might step up. You know, now that we're in playoff mode, but boy, the Eagles did not. They did not look ready at all, mm-hmm. and so they're done. They're out. And everybody's like, yeah, we saw this whole, the last part of the year, they've been collapsing and yeah, boy, it looked like it against the Buccaneers, didn't it? What's crazy though is, I don't know if you guys have seen this, I imagine you have, but it's surfacing all over social media, is that after the Chiefs game, if you, Nick Sierra leaving is like, I can't hear you guys now, Chiefs fans or whatnot, and as he's you know going through the tunnel, when leaving after the game, ever since that game, they've been like two and seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. Which of course, it doesn't have any correlation because... It's just a, it's just something he said. I think the correlation comes down to Matt Patricia being the defensive coordinator over whoever it was. I think it was Jim Schwartz, but I think that's what it comes down to. It has nothing to do with what he said, but it's just funny to see how Nick Sierra's personality has gotten the best of him and how he's you know egotistical and whatnot out there and whatnot. It'll always come back to bite him. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, their uh, their defense did not do what it needed, but their offense wasn't doing no anything either the buccaneers just basically ran that game mm-hmm. both sides yeah so. so that was our wild card weekend games and uh some of them not what i expected i did not expect the texans to win like they did i did not expect the packers to win like they did i did no not expect did. expect tampa bay to win like yeah. they did i did expect the bills uh to win over pittsburgh and uh I'm forgetting a game in there, Alliance. but Alliance. I really expected the Lions to win by more than one, or I, I was mm-hmm. hoping they would. Yeah. But I'm glad they got the win. We got yeah. So yeah. let's take a look at the games coming up. You know, we we have such a limited number of games. We're just going to talk about all four of them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's or, start know. Kansas City Buffalo. We talked about this is the first time Patrick Mahomes is on the road in his career for a playoff game. And uh, it is in none other than Buffalo, Buffalo and Kansas City. You remember that game? uh, Was it last year, two years ago, where they uh, kept going back and forth? uh, Who had the lead all the way down to 13 seconds in overtime? And then Mahomes, you know, did what he did. Um, Yeah, we have we have a modified playoff overtime structure mm -hmm. because of that. Thanks to Jim Irsay, you know, bringing that up with the owners. Right. And so now, if we get down to that position again, which I think a lot of fans are hoping for that, uh, the opposing team will also have an opportunity to score a touchdown. It'll be yep. sudden death from there. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. I hope this is a great game. I think I've already let it slip. I really hope Buffalo beats uh, Kansas too. City. I'm not a Kansas City fan at all. But secondly, uh, somebody asked me, Matthew, who do you want to see in the Super Bowl? And I'm not going to give away the NFC me, side right oh, now. I was but I'm going to say that <laughs> I'm kind of giving away the two games here for the AFC. I really want it to be either Buffalo or the Texans. Neither one of them have won a Super Bowl ever. 
And I would love for they're they're my picks. I don't care for the Ravens. I know they were the number one seed, um, I and I don't care for yeah. Kansas City. I know they're Kansas always Kansas. great, but man, I would love Buffalo or Texans to win. So my pick this week is Buffalo. It's as much out of desire as it is for what I think could happen. Uh, as it is, it's really hard for me to pick who could win that game because either one of those teams could be hot, uh, and neither one of those teams have looked exceptionally great. Like you know, for their teams, I expected them both to look better by the end of the regular season. They both look like they had some stumbling that happened in there. Um, so I'm, I'm going for Buffalo. What about you two? Buffalo. Buffalo. Oh yeah. Unanimous. Let's do it. Buffalo in Buffalo in the snow, which I think they're going to have more snow this week. They're going to have their fans come out and shovel again. Mm-hmm. That's right. Beat them, beat them. All right, what about the next game? we got the Texans versus the number one seeded Ravens who didn't have to play last week, Lamar Jackson and crew. Uh, they had the best record uh, for the regular season. But we've seen with the Cowboys that just because you have a greater, uh, a great record doesn't mean you're going to win against a young quarterback. What do you think is going to happen in this one? I think this will be a relatively close game, if I'm being honest. The Texans are on a high right now from their win mm-hmm. last week. And they're going to go in blazing they're going to be so good but ravens have also been sitting down and studying and contemplating what their game plan is going to be for a victory and lamar jackson is very very good in the playoffs when he plays when he's not injured of course and so i think i give the nod to baltimore here but i don't write off the texans to have it be a blowout i think it's going to be a lot closer than we expect me too i think it's exact same reason i think it's gonna be close I just think the Texans are a young team. They're not experienced. Even a young, I mean, I guess the Mika Bryans has been the 49ers, but overall, a young a team of players, a young team that hasn't experienced the playoffs. Harbaugh's been there so many times. Lamar Jackson's been there a lot. Even, you know, when, even if he is injured, the players on that team have been there a lot. I think they're more experienced, and I think Baltimore wins. I'm going to say it doesn't matter because you guys already outvoted me. Texans on this one. Uh, I do think Baltimore's great. And I do think, you know, with all of the uh, last year's quarterback stuff with Lamar Jackson and how he was possibly up for another team to like take a stab at in the offseason before the draft happened. Because I remember all the Colts fans being like, why don't we just go for Lamar Jackson and then, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, They, for them to come back and get to, you know, the Super Bowls, what they want to do, uh, would be such a, um, you know, a stamp of, yes, Lamar Jackson is that guy. But there's also all of the expectation on him. There's none on the Texans who are playing hot, and they're just like, you know what, we're going to go in there, we're going to let loose. And so far, C.J. Stroud has looked great in letting loose. Uh, And his number one receiver, Nico Collins, right, has looked amazing uh, not to mention the other guys on the team, and he's thrown it to a lot of other guys. Their defense has looked stronger than I ever expected, but of course they've got Tomiko Ryans, who's a great defensive mind. Uh, I think this is going to be a very tight game. I'm going to say that I think the Texans are going to slightly beat out uh, the Ravens. But again, I wouldn't be surprised either way. So I can I can see the the, the reasoning you guys are using and so evidently as a podcast, we're picking the Ravens, but I just want it to be known on air. Matthew picked the Texans. All right. Let's slide on over to the NFC. We have the T 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Detroit. I'm going to be honest here. This is probably too biased for me not to look into too much, but I'm going Detroit. I love the Dan Campbell story. And my boss told me that if uh, the Lions win the Super Bowl, he's not going to be a Vikings fan anymore. Because how, oh. how could the Lions win one before the Vikings? So uh, I, I'd like to see that. Uh, but I also it, – it's hard not to root for Dan Campbell and what yeah. he's done. And it's it's been such a good ride these past three seasons watching the development of that team and playing them twice a season. Uh, and the, the Lions did come out and, and they – a lot of their players said, yeah, I, we don't want to play the Packers. Uh, they scare us, which made me happy. And I, I accept that. So uh, I'm going to accept that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think the same thing about the Lions. And so I'm glad there's a, a mutual respect there. Uh, but I'm going Detroit. I'm, I'm all in on them winning the divisional round. And depending on what I say next, maybe hosting an NFC championship game. So I'm going to say also lions uh i've said over and over again i think tampa bay is not going to make it <laughs> and they keep making it but i do see this as the place that could very well stop i think uh, this is a better team than the eagles even though the eagles started off hotter in the year i think uh, the lions are just a more physical team and, you know even though they don't have the big tush push <laughs> i think overall they're just a very physical team i think jared goff is throwing the ball extremely well uh better than jalen hurts was uh at the end there and so i'm gonna go with the lions also and i just love that the lions fans are getting some wins i want that to continue i'm going lions i am too i mean i'm 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 lions are my Super Bowl pick i'll be honest with you all right I'm going to lead us off on this last game. Green what? Bay Packers going to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm scared. Uh, I, <laughs> that's my emotion right now is, is fear, scared. A any synonyms for that, uh, I have it. Uh, if I do see a bright spot in the Packers victory for this, it's that the 49ers have been mightily inconsistent with turnovers the past quarter of the season. And so if we can pressure Brock Purdy and get some turnovers, some interceptions happening, CMC is not going to be fumbling or dropping the ball. We, we know that wholeheartedly. Uh, so it's all about getting pressure on Brock Purdy and having him throw a pick or two that's going to give the Packers an opportunity. And if we do that, I like our chances because I kind of like what our offense did against Dallas. And they're very similar defenses, Dallas and San Francisco. Uh, both very high. Of course, San Francisco is the bona fide number one defense statistically on just about everything in the league. Uh, but Matt LaFleur has got very creative. And so if that's my my bright spot in here is it's going to be Jordan Love consistency with the offense, which we've seen that we can do against top defenses. And then uh, pressuring Brock Purdy just a little bit so they don't have the ball as long. Uh, and then, of course, Aaron Jones, uh, you know, hundred plus yards statistically leads to victories for green Bay. So uh, if we can get those three things, I like the Packers. Uh, if that, if none of those things happen, uh, it's not going to be close and the 49ers are going to win. Uh, but I am, I'm very, very scared for, uh, for this weekend. And I can talk myself into either way. I honestly could. What's your official pick for today? Packers. Okay, Rose. I'm going to go next and let Josh go last. Okay. 
this is a, almost exactly the same um, situation as I just talked about with the Texans and the, the Baltimore Ravens. You got this young uh, quarterback who's coming in hot there. There's no expectations on them. They're just like, let's just go in there and do what we can. Let's just give it our best shot, be aggressive, do what we can do. Uh, what makes this one a little bit different for me is what you said, and that is that San Francisco's defense is so stinking good. I think this is going to come down to which of the two defenses between Green Bay and San Francisco can disrupt the other one's offense more. And it's really hard because I do see that, you know, there's more expectation on San Francisco and there's more to lose for San Francisco. Uh, and they have been planning longer, just like the, the Baltimore Ravens. I just don't know uh, which one's going to come out with the better defense that disrupts the other's quarterback. Because like you said, Brock Purdy can be disrupted. Uh, Jordan Love, I think, has shown that there are times he can be disrupted. But boy, last week, it didn't matter. He was like throwing off of both feet in the air, throwing the ball, and it going right where it needed to go. And, you know, on the run, uh, extending plays. This one's probably one of the tougher for me, of all of the games, you know, I think the Lions are going to easily beat Tampa Bay. I, I think um, the Texans are going to have more of a shot uh, with Buffalo than than some. With this one, it's just so tight that it really comes down to: uh, is it the the one with uh, less to lose that goes out there and just gets creative, like you were saying with Matt Lafleur, or is it the dominance? of a team that is built hard all the way around and has been in this place so many times that they, they are just hungry to win this place. Finally, I'm having a hard time. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm having a hard time deciding who I think will win this in my heart of hearts. I, I have this sinking feeling that the 49ers are going to come away with that win. But in my optimistic dreamer heart and in my, you just never know heart. Just like with the Texans, I feel like the Green Bay could, could come in. And like, again, I, I love that CJ Stroud and um, Jordan Love did what they did. And they were like identical almost in their stats. And I would love to see if, if I couldn't have my my quarterback, uh, I mean, my, uh, my Super Bowl matchup of Lions versus either Buffalo or uh, Texans. I'm, I'm letting you know now. I, w I my hope is that it's a team that has never won the Super Bowl that is in there. But if it has to be a team that won <laughs> has won the Super Bowl, I would rather see Green Bay than San Francisco win another Super Bowl, especially where they're at in their life. Although I love the Mr. Relevant storyline, I'm like really torn. I am so torn that I didn't want to be last and be the one <laughs> to decide. So I'm going to go opposite of Brandon, just so it has to be Josh that decides this. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you, Brandon, I very much think that Green Bay can do this one. Yeah, scary. Like you said, scared, yes. And if if Green Bay loses, everybody will be like, well, it was San Francisco. And Green Bay went in there and they were amazing. You know, but Green Bay can do this. So I'm only picking the San Francisco 49ers because I didn't want to be the one to decide who I thought would win this game <laughs> because I just cannot decide um, which one I think it really, truly, honestly will be. 
Josh? For me, it comes down to, like, like I, I agree with what, what, what both of you guys have said. It's a hard game to pick. The Packers are riding on a high. The 49ers have been, you know, off of a you know, off the last week or so, last almost two weeks from now at that point. And they're kind of, you know, we don't know what to expect from them, although they are a very powerful team. We just don't know what to expect because they haven't been playing. The Packers are coming off a high, like we mentioned earlier. What comes down to me is that I trust the 49ers defense more than I trust Joe Barry to coordinate a, a defensive game. And that's what is my problem. There is that. Uh, Joe Barry last week looked really good. Yeah, and uh, Josh made the comment, well, Joe Barry keeps his job. And I thought, oh, poor Brandon. Yeah, don't make but that Brandon wants that <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> so Yeah. So that's what it comes down to for me. Is I think both offenses can be great. I think both offenses can have some certain plays that expose the defense of the other team. I just trust the 49ers defense and I trust uh, Steve Wilkes and that core of Fred Warner and everybody else and, you know, Eric Armstead and everybody else that they have on that team to do better than even if the Packers have better players, I trust that team overall more because they don't have Joe Barry. Let me ask you this. Do we know what's going on with Jair Alexander yet? um, There was a report. I I was going to mention that, that AJ Dillon and Jair are, I believe. Interesting. Um, um, uh, our, our, um, I just read something that's what I'll bring it up in a minute, but, um, are, um, questionable with, or out or something like that. Uh, not, <laughs> I, I sorry, didn't know that, what word you were going to say. Questionable or out. I'm like leaning. You kept getting up to it. You're like, are they are, I think Jair uh, and this Jair guy are is, <laughs> is not practicing today. AJ Dillon returned to stretch with a helmet, but it's not, not sure if he's practicing since we only watched him stretch. They both missed the last two games or he has missed the last two games. AJ I think Jair is more important than AJ. Cause if they yeah, have, uh, definitely. If they have Aaron, Aaron Jones out there, he has been, he is healthy looking. He looked so good last week. So good. So what I was, I wish he would I, have done that during my regular season when I had him on fantasy and he was just always like injured. <laughs> yeah. This is my, my pick is, it's the Lions. It is the Lions. I mean, sorry, it is the, the 49ers. The Lions will be a game. It is the 49ers. <laughs> my pick between Green Bay and San Francisco is the Lions. <laughs> And so that next, we're going to pick these next week or whatever happens next week. These will be our wild card, our, our championship games. But what I was talking about earlier, that I was like, whoa, that's crazy. When I was looking up Jai Alexander is the Bears are interviewing Cliff Kingsbury for their offensive coordinator position. Hmm. So if he is hired, you know that, you know what that means is that Caleb Williams, because he is at USC right now, Caleb Williams is going to go number one overall. You know that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Guys, uh, I don't know that I, there's a part of me that really thinks the Texans and the Packers could replace the Bills and the 49ers in this setup we have here. Um, I'd love to hear our viewers' comments on, who do you think? Do you think the Texans uh, are going to are gonna beat the Ravens? Do you think the Packers are going to beat San Francisco? Do you think they're going to be in these um, conference games? Because they so could be. So could be. And I know that, I know that uh, when it comes down to me, at least, and I'm pretty sure when it comes down to at least one division, <laughs> I want to see those young quarterbacks win. I, I picked San Francisco because I couldn't be sure, but I would love to see Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud. And I guess if, oh, and I, I guess I was going to say this, if I couldn't have uh, teams playing that had never won the Super Bowl, you know, because that's what I want. Yeah. I would love to see those two young quarterbacks in the Super Bowl against each other. What would that be like? It would be fun. It would be two seven seeds, right? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Seven oh, seed wait. was. 
plus yeah. uh, Pittsburgh. They're they're oh, there. So you guys are six. That that would have been a cooler story if it would have been two seven seeds. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still cool. A six and a seven seed, two young quarterbacks in their first year of playing in the Super Bowl. That would be all kinds of hype. That'd be all kinds mm-hmm. of hype. Exciting stuff coming up, guys. Uh, so do we need to do this lock and upset? We've already kind of picked uh, yeah, our kind of picks. About it, yeah. uh, so uh, I think we're just going to leave that. Is there anything else we need to hit yeah, before we're done? Not really hit, but um, as we met, as you guys all know, anybody who watches know me and Brandon and Matthew, if he's a participant at some points, um, is on the train of making history. First, first person to text whatnot. So we did it last week with the Packers of the first seven seed to win. We did it with the Lions. So pay attention because this week there is a chance for the first seven seed to be to win in a divisional game, and then the first time or for uh, first time to text the Lions won a divisional game in the you know in the world. So pay attention to that as we move forward. I will say this, guys. You will have noticed that both Brandon and Josh are like lickety split on that. And I I have been suspiciously absent of every single text <laughs> that has been world breaking. Uh, that's because I always end up having to watch these games delayed because of family. <laughs> and uh, I have kids that I have to do stuff with. And so I always am in the middle of the game when they are texting. And I can't look because I don't want to know who wins yeah. until I watch it. And so I have had to very much so during these playoff games, if I see a ding from Brandon or Josh, I don't look. I, I swipe up immediately, get that off my phone so that I can I can still experience this game in all of its glory. But I have been uh, watching their world-breaking tweets, and I'm just going to say, as far as you know, history-making guys, Brandon and Josh are your history-making guys from here on out. They're the guys. Watch them. They're going to do it. What's funny though is whenever we like we just talked about this, but um, I don't know if you guys watched the post game stuff with the, the the Lions game, but as they were going through the post game, I don't know what at point, but um, yeah. who was calling that game? Was it Aik- uh, was it Buck and no, it was yeah. it was Buck and Aikman, right? No, I think it was Aikman and Terriol or the, the 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 what's his name? Um, territory or no, he's the yeah breath. Anyway, whoever was calling the game on CBS at the end were like. Well, if you know any Lions fans out there, make sure you text them because that's the first time that's ever going to happen in the world. So we're on top of that, and ABC know or NBC knows that too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll get your texting ready this next week. We're going to have some really good games, and we're going to come back next week and talk about them, and then what the conference division is going to look like. So join us here on the Football Pandemic next week for more crazy playoff football. Thanks for watching, everybody.